0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode is with photojournalist Armando Gallardo. Armando was on the show recently, and uh, we're back talking about the the protests that are going on right now in Washington, D.C. Armando was uh, shooting on Friday and Saturday evening, and his photos are... Very, very good Uh, There's a link to follow him on Instagram In this podcast description If you're listening to this podcast on Spotify Go to com For that link We also have a Patreon Uh, Go to com On our about page And if you're listening to this on iTunes Or on com, There is the link to that Patreon account In the show description Uh, It's a very tense time right now And Armando is Armando is going to be documenting the protest tonight again, and uh, hopefully we can check in with him uh, very soon. Without further ado, here's Armando Gallardo.
1: How are you? I'm alright, I'm tired. How are you?
0: I'm not as tired as you, and I was up at 6am with a kid. 4am because of fireworks. But <laughs> It's currently uh, Monday, June 1st at 3.02pm Eastern Standard Time. Uh, why are you tired?
1: Because I've been doing too much work lately including going to cover a protest till four in the morning.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So on Saturday, all of a sudden I see your Instagram post. You don't usually post anything on Instagram. It's been a very long time. And yeah, the photos you got are, they're really great. And I don't mean that in like a celebrity, not like a torture porn way. It was just like, they're really well docu- well done photos. Um, and you cover a lot of protests. So the reason I wanted to speak to you today, other than being my friend, is I think the last time we spoke, we're still in the midst of a global pandemic, but almost everything we discussed was pandemic related. And uh, we got to a little bit about you covering protests mm-hmm. and uh race based protest. Is that fair? To, is that is that an appropriate like um, categorization? The one in North Carolina or South Carolina? Yeah, I mean,
1: BLM I think will be probably better characterization. Oh, okay. Of so
0: the one that you were arrested at unlawfully was at a Brock, was a BLM protest. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So that was years ago, and that was now, years ago. 2020, the end of May, the start of June, we're right back at it. Um, do you, is there a lot of similarities from past BLM protests?
1: So yes and no. And the last time we spoke, we had this. I think we we had this uh, exchange that it was and i remember saying like the time that i realized that you know this was a little bit too much was uh, when i forgot the names of the people that getting killed like you know i was i was able to you know grasp you know quite a few names and then there was a point in which it was just like i just can't remember anymore all the names you know um so uh, i guess there is definitely a parallel in terms of the fact that BLM continues to be a, an important um, group behind this protest, um, rightly so, of course. Um, but at the same time, what I saw on, on you know, on Friday night, like Saturday early morning was different. And this is kind of why I thought it was important for me to kind of like go back into Instagram, I guess, and, mm-hmm. and post on this. Um, I haven't posted in forever, and it's just been more about me being lazy and and, and kind of like not having really much more of desire to, to put the time into posting um but in this case I, I mean I don't want to get too far into the coverage yet but basically what I saw that night the first night that I went to cover it was uh it felt different than other times and I have covered BLM as well as many other protests for years before so um the, the amount of Passion and, and people really pushing the authorities in the way that I saw was way out there. Like, you know, I, I can go into more detail if you want me to, whenever you want me to.
0: I would like that because I think you started your protest career or pro- as a photojournalist uh, with the Occupy movement.
1: Yes. And yeah. that's
0: that that was not it was was part of Occupy in Lafayette Park? I didn't think so. I thought it was a few parks over.
1: So this was this is also a very interesting question because um though there wasn't um it wasn't an occupy led situation, I did see a lot of occupy faces that I have not seen before really? since the Occupy DC days. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's so the fact that th- the fact that you're even seeing faces that alone is surprising because we're still once again, in the midst of a global pandemic, when you were there, DC wasn't, it was the first day of phase one reopening. So right. in theory, everyone was supposed to be wearing a mask in, in practice. What was the mask to non mask ratio?
1: Um, that's a great question. Um, I would probably say, you know, have, to 60, 60, 60% were wearing masks Maybe 60, 70, okay. 70% were wearing masks
0: But you yeah. were able to recognize people That you saw literally nine years ago Because Occupy is the fall of Yeah, what? It's now the spring Was that slash it? summer of 2020 Yeah, it's nine years ago Wow, and that's insane Yeah uh, The fact that you're recognizing these people That's really odd to me <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was odd for me, too, because I never really thought that it was nine years, you know, so thanks for reminding me of that. So it's I, I mean, there's a few people that I might have seen here and that pop up, mm-hmm. you know, like inauguration. I saw a few people pop up that, you know, I haven't seen since those days. But this was a group of people that some people I have really not seen since the days of Occupy DC. So um, it was just bizarre because, you know, first of all, they got they got a little bit older. as everybody else um so adjusting their faces to back then when you know nine years ago like was uh a little bit of some calculations in my head that needed to be done i guess um but of course there's facial recognition software for that nowadays so you know
0: yeah um
1: so anyway but yes there's it was just like fascinating to see that um see just the passion of people and 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 the i the, the really i think the the thing that spoke to me the most was the fact that people were pushing against Secret Service. Yeah. So, you know, in D.C., as you cover protests, you realize that, you know, you, people pushing against police, people pushing against spark police, which is still, you know, within the federal realm of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't you don't fuck with Secret Service like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because Secret Service main goal literally is to protect the president, to protect institutions, to protect people you know that are in that caliber um, so I would assume that a charge from the Secret Service doesn't just come as like trespassing you know yeah it maybe comes with like potential you know I don't know risk to the president or something like that so but like, people were pushing them I'm pushing them fucking hard <laughs> like it was literally a tag war between both of them and and the protesters re- literally getting barricades out uh, from the park and really pushing the the line over and over again and getting pepper sprayed over and over too, which was, you know, also shocking.
0: The reason why you hadn't been out a lot is because some of you're at risk. You have something a lot of people have that makes you more risky to uh, really suffer from COVID-19 if you get it. Did you Worry about your health and safety, not when it comes to pepper spray, but when it comes to catching the coronavirus.
1: You know that's a funny. That's a great question because I, I find, and I also well, you've been asking plenty of great questions because I keep saying that over and over. Um, so the it definitely it's funny. It's funny the way my, a brain like mine, and by that I mean probably journalists that are out in the field, usually uh, adjust. Um, or former generalists is because I remember having this conversation with, with, um, you know, a friend of mine a couple of days before. And I remember we talked about specifically protests that were happening somewhere else. And I made a comment along the lines of like, wow, like, you know, I wouldn't like to be there kind of thing, like, you know, with coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. And literally the night after um, I was out there because it just, it just felt like that was, where I needed to be in terms of like the work that I do and the, the covers that I, I do, you know, and coronavirus is kind of like, I mean, I'm still, I was still very careful, wore a mask or wore gloves, you know, got rid of both of them. Um, once I got home and said, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but nevertheless, um, you just, you know, you it's kind of like just the same thing with coronavirus as we we're talking last time, you understand the risk and you, uh, you accept it and then you move forward with it. And once you accept the risk, your life and your mind just kind of like rest at ease, because before that you're always concerned, right? Like, am I going to get it? Am I going to like this and that? But once you accept it, it's just like, well, I asked for it. Not I asked for it to some extent, but like, um, you know, this could happen. And if that's the case, like, I'll move forward with that kind of thing.
0: Let's go over the timeline. Um, last Monday, a man is assassinated. Uh, protests start the next night in Minneapolis mm-hmm. slowly spread uh, yesterday they were in countless American cities There's are small miniature ones in smaller towns it's very very reminiscent of the January 21st 2017 protests against uh, the Donald uh, when it came to the women's March uh, this does not seem to be dying down in any ways uh, mm-hmm. you go out for the first time in D.C. pretty much on the first big night of protest, which is Friday night, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And you're out until, what, 4 a.m.?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, d- do you go back out on Saturday night?
1: I did way later, but yes.
0: And Saturday there was not a curfew, is that correct?
1: That's correct.
0: And how late were you out on Saturday night?
1: Uh, probably 3.
0: 3 a.m., Jesus. And I'm assuming you're one of the last to leave. I'm assuming that around yeah. four it's done. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's the thing that I learned that that's that Saturday, which was interesting, um, because I'm you know I'm ready to stay there till the last person leaves, basically, um, and and that just comes with the fact that I don't want to miss a moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when the crowd from you know the wires a lot of times leave and would not like. Um, and wires are just extremely fast people. You know what I mean? Like they literally need to push out stuff for the wire as soon as possible, take the photos, go cover something else. So their work is extremely important. Um, but in my end, because I'm not really, you know, I, I do recognize that the coverage might be still going to the wires, but I'm not on a deadline with editor. Mm -hmm. So I got what I need to cover, say to, I need to cover and then go and, you know, push that out. So,
0: and then, Okay, so where do you do with the work that you've created? As soon as you get home on uh, Saturday, early morning hours, four, three, four a.m., do you start editing them? Do you yeah. sit on them for a minute? Do you start pitching them to other editors? Because for this, you're a freelance. You're a freelancer, yeah. which comes with mm-hmm. its own set of risks, which we'll get to in a minute. But what did you do yes. with the work that you made on Friday and Saturday evening?
1: Um. So on that, with that work, I put it on on some of the wires, and then. I also put it on Instagram and then just kept it for my own, basically. Okay. But in terms of your question about the, um, the what was it, sorry, the, oh yeah, so what do I do with it? So it depends, right? Like sometimes it's just, if it's just for, you know, if I'm covering for my own kind of like library and catalog, like maybe there's not much of a rush. To do that, but the truth of the matter is that you always go back home just wanting to see those photos on the okay. big screen and just edit them. So, Uh
0: last night you were not able to go out, and as a as your friend, I'm very glad that you were not able to go out <laughs> because you're you have a full time job. Yes, you're a photojournalist, but in addition to that, you're a professional uh, videographer. For yes. we we don't have to talk about where you work, but we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> we do or don't. We do not. Okay, great. Um, some. <laughs> Let's just say some of the Occupy protests would have maybe been against the place that you currently work. Is that <laughs> sure. fair? Sure, that is fair. Um, and you were busy editing, and I'm texting you in the afternoon, and you're like, "It, you're literally itching to get back out there." I think it's fair yeah. to say. Um, yes. I'm so glad you did because for the first time in, first time I've been in Washington D.C., probably for the first time since you've been in Washington D.C., there was a curfew. Yeah. And that curfew was relatively early.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, have you seen the curfew today?
0: (laughs) Yeah, the curfew today is 7 p.m. There's still another hour and a half of sunlight. I cannot – I don't know how they're going to enforce this. It just the National Guard's already been called. I feel very – That's the concerning part. I feel very unwell about all of this. How do you feel? Because I know you. Not many people feel like they have a calling in life, but I think you do, and this might be it. I can't assume that you're staying home tonight, regardless of how much work you have to do for the day job.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm literally trying to like finish everything that I need to finish, um, fulfill my duties on that end. And then, uh, assess what's the situation with, with, uh, tonight, you know, like there's, there's a lot that comes with doing these things, especially when curfews are imposed. Um, just because you don't know how the police are going to enforce them. Um, it could, I mean, and sure, they have said media credentials, and that also is a problematic thing because that could lead to an interpretation of you literally have to be a staff member at a place. You know what I mean? Um, and obviously, it's better for you to be covering for somebody else because, and by all means, better to talk to the editor about a potential arrest and walk them through what that means and what they can do for you in that case. Um, in terms of risk, like, yeah, I mean, a freelancer always, always always going to take more of a risk than, like, a staff photographer at the Washington Post. Um, and then he goes back to the police, you know, like, would they, how are they going to enforce that? Would they let you go or not during an inauguration? A lot of the people that got kettled, for example, um, were working journalists with credentials, but the cops didn't care, you know? So my concern is that we see something similar to that tonight, which is literally police closing on to protesters and saying, Everybody that is in right now, you need to get. You're gonna get arrested, and that's the end of the story. Which wouldn't surprise me. Also, I mean, it's a great way to, you know, slow down things as they go. Because uh, a lot of the goal of really an arrest, it really a lot of times is not about um, the charges. It's just really about getting people in jail and then not letting them out, so that they cannot be at the protest the next day.
0: Will you carry credentials that? aren't necessarily for tonight, just to prove that you've done this in the past?
1: Yeah, I mean, my credentials usually are from like different outlets that I have worked for. Um, I do have like one from like National Press Photographers Association. Um, and then you hope that that does the trick, you know? Like, um, you know, you could always tell them to go to your site, check whatever else. In my case, I'm really lucky to some extent because I, you could literally type my name, GAS, and like Charlotte, and then a, a an article written by the reporters uh, committee for free press uh, comes up with my name, in which I'm the main subject for it. Uh, that specifically describes my case uh, when I got arrested last time in Charlotte. So,
0: but that's later on. Like I, I don't see someone doing that on the street. I see a like a judge right. doing that. Twelve hours later, after you're you've been pulled, and now you're in a jail cell without a mask on during a global pandemic. Right. Yes. Cool. Yeah, no, that's correct. <laughs> that's possible. Um, you have a you have a partner. What does she think about this?
1: Um, you know, I think, I think the people that care about you really end up always uh, worrying. But, um, you know, they also get to know and understand the the work that you do, and and more so, um, why is it important? You know, whenever you uh gone through an arrest and really i remember when i when i got arrested and i got my case got dismissed the first things that came to my mind and and my mouth really as i was talking to to uh people was always like this is a win for the first amendment you know what i mean it wasn't about me it was like it was bigger than that um you know because a journalist shouldn't be subject to to arrest whenever these kind of things happen because we're there to inform um, and unfortunately, what we have seen over the last couple of days with the protests is a pretty deliberate targeting of journalists throughout the country. D.C., I do have to say, is not as bad um, and usually has been really at the forefront of uh, civil rights and, and liberties and you know freedom of the press because of all, also where we are and because there's a lot of attorneys that will probably jump at any kind of charge. But that said... Um, you know, I'm curious to see how tonight's going to go and the next couple nights.
0: Will this be the first time you've ever covered a protest that the National Guard has a presence?
1: No, I found a mistake. in National Guard was, well, first of all, in DC, I, I think National Guard was was pushed out during inauguration. Okay. And I'm def, I would, I mean, National Guard was definitely in Charlotte.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Does that make you more uneasy?
1: Um, depends because. I remember having this conversation with the National Guard because I wanted to understand to what extent would they do anything. And I spoke with them and I, and I was just like, you know, so what's your role here? And one of the chiefs that were there, uh, or commandants, and he was like, commanders, and he was like, well, we're really just to kind of try to keep the peace and not, um, you know, try to make sure that everybody's safe. But if someone were to do something to us, we will actually respond accordingly. And you have to remember that, you know, national guards are basically military, mm-hmm. right? Just like with secret service, you don't fuck with the military. Um, I do believe that these are probably highly trained professionals that would definitely not exacerbate things. I do think that the police will be the first line of command deciding on what gets, you know, how would they handle situations and what gets pushed and not. But that's the thing, right? That's, that's at the end of the day, it goes back to also the protesters, how much they want to push it. Because if, they get to be some way, somehow pushed against or 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 be at the forefront against the National Guard. It goes back to them wanting or not to push that limit and see if they do something about that. Um, at the same time, the National Guard was displayed throughout Ohio, you know, back in the 60s, uh, the protests at the, at the uh, college at Kent State. And, you know, that's how some, you know, several students ended up dead. So... And that's that's one thing. That's the next thing that I'm really concerned about, which is the first time somebody has to decides to use got, like actual real ammunition against protesters yeah. or somebody that feels that there's a bigger threat. Like on Friday, there seemed to have been some kind of threat because you know people were transported down to the basement for their safety. When, when um, really
0: quick. The, yes. The Donald yes not just random protesters
1: (laughs) that's correct okay um so you would assume that there was there was some brisk assess on the secret service to say this needs to be taken care of Mm -hmm. in this manner um and you know there was you know there there's definitely still a police presence that will um act accordingly and also upon orders you know so um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening over the next couple of days. Also, if like protesters protesting doesn't go down because there is a little bit of some talk about finding a way to for federal to take over instead of just letting it for a if they don't control um, and do their, their fair share of. Um, handling of protesters
0: over the next couple of nights. Uh, we're going to wrap this up soon not because I want to stop talking but because you literally have a timeline and we need to wrap <laughs> this up and if you're willing to talk more about this in the future uh, fingers crossed I'd love to talk to you as long as you're not in jail uh, uh, One number one could you give me a percentage of youth to peaceful protesters to rabble rousers um, and I don't mean that like everyone that throws a brick is a bad person or a good person just like yeah and because we've both, I've covered not five percent of the protests you've covered, but you could always tell. Like, there's a handful yeah. of people. How many, in terms of percentages, over the two nights that you were there, do you think were there to peacefully protest, and how many were just kids that just wanted to break some stuff?
1: So this is an assumption, of course, and that's of course, of course. one thing that is really important too. This is the most
0: difficult time to ever to do it because people are in masks. Number yeah. one, and number two. Just because they're there to break stuff doesn't necessarily they're mean they're on the right side of history either. I would not be surprised. I don't think any would be surprised if a bunch of white supremacists are wearing masks and destroying stuff. So, with that very right. mind, what do you think the percentages of peaceful versus non peaceful?
1: So Friday there was really I mean people were definitely trying to get some bricks and breaking them, um, literally bricks from Lafayette Park, um, and then breaking them and throwing to to the police, <clears throat> as well as you know other things, bottles and whatnot. Um, Hold on really right
0: there. For the people that don't know, Lafayette Park is like an old-timey park. It's right in front of the White House. When, when he's saying bricks, like the ground is made up of bricks that you'd see in like a, a Boston or an old Philadelphia street. The bricks line yeah. the, the ground. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, so like in that case, I would probably say um, 20% maybe okay. were doing that, you okay. know? Yeah. And then what about Saturday? There was a lot of pushing back. Saturday was a different story. I don't know, it felt like the perch basically. <laughs> that's how I that's how I um so like in and the, and that that day what it felt like at least for me was that the police was really spread thin. And that's something I never really seen in my life in DC because there's always you know enough police to be able to handle um but I I and I mean I mean that because I saw um you know definitely some looting happening in quite a few stores um among others um and there was no police around or there was police like literally in the corner but they couldn't see them because they were busy taking care of other stuff
0: uh, where specifically where did you see the looting
1: um i saw some downtown like by six sacks fifth, fifth avenue if i'm not mistaken okay, was yeah, one yeah. of them
0: i know that city center got hit and yeah um that's where Stephen Miller lives. Did anybody know that's where Stephen Miller lives or did they just hit him it because it's like a newish expensive it's, high-end mall?
1: Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like there, you know, it's important to make the differentiation. And I think that for the first time the, the, you know, the media, the press are doing that, you know, co- you know, cognitively that that's really an important thing because I feel like the time has been really taken by opportunists that are really just jumping at the chance of, the police been busy with like stuff downtown or whatever to go ahead and break some stuff and steal some stuff not the same people but, yeah. you know people need to make sure that that's that they understand that like there's literally people that are going into with with motorcycles for example in dc wow. and operating on two with two people One that just drives the motorcycle one that gets out breaks some stuff goes in takes it in and then just go drive around um georgetown was hit yesterday yeah uh that way you know like well stuff was happening downtown suddenly there's like you know you know several cops heading towards Georgetown and then then we find out that it's 12 swords that got uh looted basically
0: yeah uh and then finally let's bring it back to your home you live in a neighborhood that is uh that was very hard hit by the coronavirus um mm-hmm. and um There hasn't been any looting, to my knowledge, of anywhere around where either of us live, save for the CVS. Even the CVS in Tacoma Park got broken into last night. Um, Wow, yeah. Yeah, I think the the CVS on Georgia, I know, got hit last night. Um, It did? Yeah, it did. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) But that doesn't mean anything was stolen. I mean, like, literally, they could have broken a window and that's it. Is anything near where you live, has anything near where you live been vandalized?
1: Yeah, I mean, actually, um, oh, wow, I'm literally just <laughs> looking at the video right now. Uh, yeah, I guess it wasn't tagged yesterday, and that's literally a couple blocks from where I live. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I actually, I, that was a concern of mine. The CBS was certainly a concern of mine right away because I was like, this is going to get hit, no doubt. Um, the, the other thing that I know was vandalized that was close to where I live, it's um, the T-Mobile on what is it called on uh 14th street, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the thing. Like, that's what I saw a lot. I saw a lot of T-Mobile's and, you know, I- sprint stores yeah, like yeah. phone stores basically being hit. And that's when you know that the, the purpose was different than just a protest. For
0: sure. For sure. Um, well, we live in a weird time. Uh, that's an understatement, but I feel like if we don't say that, um uh, something's <laughs> even worse, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, inevitably all I'm going to say tonight is good luck. I'll be thinking about you. Um, and, uh, please be safe.
1: Yeah. Thanks. I will try my best. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to come up with uh these kind of situations do require uh, planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anybody that is covering or will cover at some point in their lives, please, by all means, this is the biggest thing you should do. Uh, write down somewhere in your arm or whatever, that it's not your phone. Somebody's, you know, phone number that you can call and have that person, basically have a plan with you on what they should do. And that might include calling an attorney, um, you know, letting some, you know, freedom of the press related attorneys know about this, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, check on the regular jails if they haven't heard from you from it sometime. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's just a matter of knowing what you're getting yourself into and having a plan to hopefully get out of it if you things get, uh, you know, nasty.